This week on the Product Agility Podcast, we find ourselves in Lisbon, Portugal at the Productize 2023 conference, where attendees will get to hear talks from Melissa Perry, Tammy Reese, Leah Theron and Radhika Dutt, to name but four of the amazing speakers. We are here to do our talks in 10, and they're the best way for you to get the inside track and behind-the-scenes insights on the talks and workshops from the conferences that we partner with, so you don't miss a beat. If you're at the conference, come and find us. We're hard to miss with our podcast t-shirts. If you're not, then just enjoy these talks in 10. And who knows, maybe we'll see you at Productize 24. Today's episode of the Product Agility Podcast comes with a special gift in association with Aha Slides, your go-to engagement tool for fun, engaging and effective learning and workshop experiences. Whether I am teaching the criticality of a clear and compelling product vision or facilitating a product strategy workshop, Aha Slides always makes it a more elevating and effective experience through its polls, quizzes and brainstorming tools. Discover how Aha Slides can elevate both your in-person or remote experiences by visiting Aha Slides and use the code AHAXPOD, which is also in the show notes, for a whopping 50% off of an annual subscription. So we are here, Productize 23. I, this is the penultimate episode that we're planning on recording formally. And I say that tentatively because now I have to edit them in order. I think, uh, say that they've released in the correct order. And we are here with Nezreen. Your talk today was on uh, how to delight your users. Uh, and again, as always, I'm probably boring people by saying it. Wish I could have been there. Fortunately, I was here. So please, Nezreen, could you give us a bit of an introduction to yourself and some a little bit of an overview of what your talk contained? Sure. So I've been a product manager for over... 10 years now. I work on many companies, but uh, most of the product I work on are Skype, Spotify, Google Meet, and I'm now part of Google Chrome. I'm based in Paris. And most of my experience has been around B2C, like a business for consumer. And those specific products require a specific need and a specific attention for prioritizing delight in order to make our consumers happy and excited. Especially that delight, it's very well known that it will definitely increase your engagement, your retention, and it, it will even increase your loyalty, their loyalty by 50%. So knowing that, and based on that enormous op- opportunity, PM should pursue delight as a science and as part of their strategy. I have never heard of delight being called a science before. That's fascinating. Tell me more, please, about this Delight is a science and prioritizing delight because this is new for me. Yeah. So most of product team today are problem-solving mindset. They, they look for problems and they build solutions that will solve for those problems. That's important, of course. But building sustainable and lasting business growth means much more than meeting users' expectation. Building delight into your product is what will drive sustainable and lasting business growth. So when I talk about delight, what delight means here is when you create a combination of surprise and joy at the same time. So users are considered delighted when the product align with their emotional motivations and emotional needs. By the way, we also, there have been a research published by the Harvard Business Review and they compared emotionally connected users with highly satisfied one. 
And we could see that emotionally connected users are 50% more likely to use the product, 50% more likely to recommend your product, and of course, 50% more likely to buy your product compared to a highly satisfied one. When we say emotionally connected, uh, emotionally connected to the product? or yes. the okay. Yeah. So this is usually measured by... Uh, the, the, the way how we can achieve that is by identifying emotional motivators. What could motivate our users on an emotional level? I can tell you a story, for example, for that. My family and I flew to Madeira last year, and we got on board on an Air France plane from Paris to Madeira. And we were psychologically prepared for a four-hour flight with already tired kids. But what happens is that a crew member came with a big smile and offered my kids two colorful cases with the coloring pen and book activities. Very simple. But my kids got super excited about it. And more importantly, we, they got busy with it for more than an hour. Believe me, this is a blessing, especially when you have small kids. Yes. So that example, the reason why I'm talking about that example is because at that moment, the emotional motivation for me was to feel peaceful and relaxed during the flight. And that's how Air France should have identified it as a delightful feature. And this is, you don't have to talk, talk about this, but when you're offline in Chrome with a dinosaur game, there's been a lot of talk that people have had on and talk about user needs and meeting user needs. And then I was telling a story about somebody, a uh, CEO that I used to work with, who was saying that's all very well and good, but what about the things our customers or users don't know that they need, our innovation, and ways that we can meet unknown needs, if that's such a thing. And I might be showing my naivety here, but in, in some of the more intricate uh, the theory and the real kind of in real aspects and deep aspects of user research, but there is this idea that there are some things that we just really then enjoy using and we yeah. didn't know we had that need. And what you're saying here with delight, the, the matching of surprise and joy, for me, speaks to some of that. So, for example, with Chrome, the the fact that little dinosaur game is there still tickles me. Yes. And and I still get a bit of excitement and joy and I still try and beat a high score. Yeah. And my kids are the same. And actually, when you haven't got an insect connection, it's a lot of fun to play. And I just find that very interesting, given, your, given where you come yeah. from, what you do. There's that, that balance. So is this prioritizing delight, is that about understanding some of those user needs which may be, or identifying opportunities for delight which lead, which have then create innovative ideas which allow you then to do things that are different which then meet needs that people didn't know they had within that product yeah. that making sense yes by the way identifying emotional motivators is hard i'm not saying that every pm should just enjoy doing that on their daily life because even the users themselves don't not, do not necessarily know what makes them motivated on an emotional level so an alternative for that is to look for emotional demotivator. As a human being, we know more what frustrates us or what makes us unhappy more than what really makes us happy. So I'm going to tell you a story more from the uh, Google Meet side. So when, when I was a PM at Google Meet, uh, it was COVID time. And when that happened, we found ourselves spending hours per day in video calls, uh, calling doctors, friends, colleagues, family. And that new behavior came with some negative emotions, such as boredom, lack of interaction, lack of engagement. There was even a term that came out of that behavior called Zoom fatigue. Yeah. And yeah, everyone, I, yeah, uh, there have been that. even a study that studied like, the causes of Zoom fatigue. So we have been looking at those demotivations. So how can we make meeting more engaging, more fun? And that we took that seriously and we took that as an entry point and we developed, for example, reactions. 
where you can send a thumb up or a heart. These are a great example that, of course, it's faster than comments and it's also less invasive than immuting yourself to say, yes, I do agree with you. And it brings delight and joy because they are done in a joyful way. Really fascinating. I did a talk at university, a yeah. remote talk, actually. So my the person I was doing, it was like a big, long event. And long story short, I was doing a one, one, one uh, talk as part of a larger thing that's happened to facilitate and I was remote. And I used a tool called Aha Slides for it. Yes. And what I found fascinating was 120 young adults there who have grown up using reactions mm-hmm. to things. And it was a 25-minute talk. I had something like 1,500 reactions. And the interesting thing was, one, it was natural to them. Yeah. And one, they used a vast range of different reactions to what you get if it was someone who was a bit older because i think for a lot of us is it right to use that type of smiley face or to use this and what i found was actually for me getting that instant feedback i was doing that motivated me yes it kept me engaged when i said something and then there's those laughing faces I'm "Ah, okay right so let me adapt where i'm going with this and and so that i think is is a we talk about emotional motivators and i think then that is a, is a yeah. wonderful example. Yeah. There have been an article I read a couple of uh, years ago that says that the opposite of boredom is not fun. The opposite of boredom is to feel engaged and alive. So that's more, more important. Otherwise, like we get all bored from fun sometimes. If you go to Disney every day, I don't think you will really enjoy it. You only enjoy it if you go there once in a while. So that's why we took the opposite of boredom as how can we make our online users engage with with their meetings and alive and participate. What, what you're talking about here about the the prioritizing to like emotional motivators, etc. How much of this has been born from kind of your work at Google, and how much of it is stuff you research or finding elsewhere? Because I'm just really intrigued because this, these are not things that I've particularly prioritizing to like is not something I've come across. So I'd love to yeah, where's this all coming from? Okay, so actually, Canoe did it all for for us. I don't know if you're familiar with the Canoe model or oh, yeah, Canoe yeah. framework. Oh, delighted! Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. So that's an entry uh, okay, point. That makes sense. So, for example, all features are categorized in must-have, performance, delight, yeah. and different and reverse. Yes. So that model for us helps me a lot because I can ask my question. Here are the questions you ask your users. Functional and dysfunctional question. Yeah. Let's imagine you have a feature and you go to user, how do you feel about having it? And then you go to the same users, how do you feel about not having them? And if the answers are, I'm okay with, with not having it, but I will be happy having it, then it's very likely that it will fall into the bucket of delight. I kick myself now. Because yeah. he said, okay, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's been a long day. No, absolutely. No, it, it's, it's still valid. Yeah, no, it, no it's... <laughs> I. I like it in some respects. I think like all models are wrong, right? But yeah. if they help us think differently, if they help us communicate and have conversations differently, yeah. if they help us dissent, going back to another conversation from today, if it means that we then get together and we have equitable teams, today's I was talking about, even maybe I'm trying to piece together all the talks, <laughs> it maybe helps to reduce stress as well for people. So this is, yeah, yeah this is really fascinating. So I suppose if you had a wish... Mm-hmm. one message, one singular thing that the audience would, would, would take away from your talk today, what is that wish? Okay, I think to answer this question, I will reverse it with one of the questions that I usually get whenever I talk about delight. So whenever I talk about delight, people are asking me, do we need a delight-dedicated team? Or can we deal with having delight in our roadmap we, without a dedicated team? I've been in both. I've been in a team that is fully dedicated for Delight, and I also work in teams where Delight is competing 
with uh, must-have and performances. And from my perspective, I don't think it's necessary to have a dedicated delight team. Of course, it's great if you have the luxury to offer yourself such a thing. But the most important thing is to be convinced that it's important to be convinced about the value that will bring to your product and to always keep a room in your roadmap. It's okay even if it's 5%, 10% of your roadmap for Delight. The other thing I want to share is that Delight is a perception that varies with time. What is delightful today, maybe in a month, will be expected. It even has a name. It's called habituation effect. So you get surprised and then the surprise is gone. So that's why having delight in the roadmap should be in a continuous way. It's not like one off, it's done and let's go back to the must have. You always have to have that in a regular cadence of your roadmap. Brilliant. Thank you very much for yeah, such an enlightening and just fact-filled 10 minutes. It's been a joy to have you here. Yeah. If people would like to find out more information about you, yep. what, what is the best way? They can reach out on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. And I will definitely answer to their question or their requests. Brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll be back again for one final. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Great. Oh.